Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. By the fake teams.com episode 102. Oh man, we are all here. All the guys are here to bring you this delightful episode. Mr. Independent Drinker Clark Barnes, the working girl Jordan Smith, the man, the myth, the legend, Ginger Nick, and I, of course, am your humble host and Super Bowl 53 champion, Peter Rogers. Yes. Shower me in your applause for all of the work that I did to help the Patriots win. You're welcome, everyone. You are welcome. Is that why you were late to the recording? Because you had to find your jersey to, to prove that you were a fan? No, not at all. That's <laughs> short and dopey preposterous. Listeners, I... it's a Gronkowski fan, so I'm sure he hasn't worn it all year because he's been counting them out. <laughs> You had to dig it back up. Dude, yeah, I, just, I picked it up just because, just just for the Super Bowl. I put it on because I was like, you know what? I'm going to respect the man that could quite possibly be playing his last game for the it New is, England Patriots. It is a nice-looking jersey, though. It is. Lie. It's very nice. Well, because the reason I don't wear this one normally is because I got this one uh, in extra large because this is supposed to be my attending game jersey so that I can fit, like, sweatshirts and warm clothes under it. You put your um, shoulder pads on. Put my shoulder pads <laughs> on. Exactly. Flat I mean, in jacket. case they need me yeah. on the field, they're like, oh, shit, that guy in the stands, he looks just I'm like Ron. What if Tom Brady wants to chest bump me? I got to be ready. Yeah. Oh, please. I would – Tom Brady chest bumps me, that that guy hitting the floor. I mean, <laughs> you don't do 10 push-ups to uh, fall down when you chest bump someone. 10 push-ups a week. Pete has been really hitting the gym. Well, a month. Let's, oh, okay. let's not get crazy here, Clark. You got to start somewhere. Got to start, yeah, baseline. You do the uh, the Robert California workout, uh, like 40 minutes of wrestling. <laughs> Burns all the calories you need. It's, all you just, need. it's just like working out for five hours. Um, excellent. Well, obviously, we are going to uh, chat about Super Bowl 53. By now, the in-game stuff, I'm sure, has all been discussed ad nauseum. Um, so instead, I figured we could talk about uh, some talking points slash uh, lingering questions that have been floating around since the game. So I've got a couple questions that we'll, we'll uh, I'll put out to you guys. Um, and, then, uh, and then we're going to put 2019 or 2018 behind us move on to 2019 and talk about uh talk about some off-season storylines that we want to see happen but i know we talked about me uh how are you guys doing great well yeah good this super bowl brought me no joy because i'm a niners fan i know i know it's a bummer that you you changed your allegiance just before the Patriots won another super bowl but don't worry. I'm sure the Niners will at some point get you a, a Super Bowl win <laughs> that you can truly be a part of and, and root for. 
I think they're 45 or 40 to 1 odds right now to win next year. Mm. You're 45. That's not bad. (laughs) When did you change to the Niners? I have something later in the show about the 49ers. They Uh made me. Like we made you do nothing, Nicholas. <laughs> I was strong armed into it. <laughs> uh, you were not strong armed. Let the record show that Nicholas is lying and that the our record. listeners will know the truth and that they can speak honestly about what happened. Nicholas was tired and exhausted from rooting for two to more teams. Um, and so we as a podcast, I put forward four different rules for picking a new team. And through that process, we found Nicholas, uh, his new allegiance to the San Francisco 49ers. It was all done scientifically and mathematically. The and equation that's, that's out niners. Yeah. Sorry. It was a very effective thought process. <laughs> um, and if you if you would like, if you are someone who also is currently in search of a uh, NFL team to root for, uh, I would direct you to our Twitter page at uh, RB1 Podcast because we have my four steps to finding a team there, um, and you can go through the list and find yourself a team. So uh, instead of continuing to just ramble on, let's talk a little Super Bowl Fifty Three. Uh, and some lingering questions from the big game. Uh, the first question that I think everyone kind of came away from this Super Bowl with in regards to the Ram was what is up with Todd Gurley, right? Uh, obviously, the the narrative that's been kind of passed around was that he wasn't fully healthy, and that's why he was on kind of a timeshare with, with C.J. Anderson uh, through the kind of last part of this season and then through the playoffs. But if you ask me, there were a couple times where uh, they had him running and they did some zone read. There's one run in particular where it was a zone read to the outside. Then he planted his foot in the ground, cut it back up and got like 15 yards. Beautiful run. Looked pretty healthy there. Looked like the legs were doing well. Uh, and and just the Patriots' inability to cover running backs out of the backfield in the passing game, it seemed to me that that was the – the transcript or the 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 way to beat the Patriots was going to be relying on Todd Gurley, and yet they did not. So, Jordan, we'll start with you. What do you, like? What is your feeling towards the Rams and Todd Gurley? Do you think this is something that is going to be uh, a huge storyline throughout the offseason? Is this uh, uh, something that Rams fans need to worry about, or is this purely just no? Really, he was injured. He wasn't a hundred percent. They didn't have faith in him, and this will be something that we will forget about as soon as the reports come out that he had a sprained MCL or something. Um, I honestly have no idea what the game plan is here. Um, reports before the Super Bowl was that uh, Todd Gurley had like a substantial enough injury that he would eventually have to get surgery or something done to it in the offseason um, in order to get back to a full 100% Todd Gurley. Um but, I mean, he looked decent enough to contribute in some way. Um, they were talking in the broadcast of the game that at one point he was sitting on the bench with a towel over his head. And this guy is not like Leonard Fournette where you used a high pick on him and, you know, you feel like you can still play TJ Yeldon or whoever in his stead no matter what and still get the same results. You really can't play except maybe – Saquon, Zeke Elliott, there are like, you can count them on one hand how many running backs you can plug in and do the same things that Todd Gurley can do. CJ Anderson is not on that hand, so I don't know what they were doing or what McVeigh's was even hinting at because even today he was talking about that he hadn't talked to the trainers yet and didn't know what was going on. It's just 
the next clearly CBA 2K, baby. Broadway. Don't disrespect. That's an alarming like assumption because that could be true. Yeah, he, he's fine. Um, he was the fastest player in the game according to next gen stats. He uh, hit a high speed of nineteen point eight miles per hour, and uh, according to uh, Doctor David Chow, there just isn't a, a knee injury that he could have had that would have allowed him um, to hit that speed. Basically, um, so what was what was the what happened? Was it game plan? Was Sean McVay well, like? In, We're in the not answer- going to use our best player. He he dropped two passes and and then uh, uh, failed on a blitz pickup and yeah, like three plays in a row um, in the NFC Championship game. And so I think it's reasonable to assume that 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 might have messed with McVay. I kind of think McVay just sort of had an Adam Gase moment and tried to outsmart himself. Adam Gase, nothing. This is a Belichick last year moment with Malcolm Butler. I mean, this is, I guess, I mean, this is, for me, this is the same argument that I had regards to Butler. It's like, sure, whatever punishment you want to do. If it truly wasn't an injury thing, if Todd Gurley was healthy, which he looked healthy, he looked good. And every time he got the ball, except for there was one reception he had for minus one yard. But when he was running, I was terrified because he's a far more explosive and better running back than CJ Anderson and can actually make that could have made that offense move uh, in a game where five yards was a big effing deal to in my opinion, it feels like it's the super bowl. You put your best players out there regardless of kind of what got you there. And I mean, maybe, maybe that doesn't work in the long term because then players can manipulate that. I don't know. It seems it, it's perplexing to me that he got the playing time that he did in the biggest game on the biggest stage. So do you think it was an off field thing? And or I have no idea. I mean, if it's not an injury thing, then I, I, there's no, the only explanation to me would be that it was an injury thing, which then opens up a whole can of worms. Cause if he was injured, that needs to be disclosed on the injury report. I think the only thing that we saw that could explain it was the bad sequence of plays that Nick, mentioned from the nfc championship game and then also that cj anderson was playing very well and i don't know if mcveigh had that moment where he decided i'm gonna go with the old rusty vet who's gonna pick up the block based on two games worth of information or or if there's something else that we're just never gonna know uh cj anderson was playing really well but todd Gurley is one of those guys that's just he's better than he has a much higher potential than a guy who can just play really well. He can really dominate a game. So it's kind of baffling why they would do that. Even though I'm a huge C.J. Anderson fan, <laughs> uh, the the C.J. Anderson cycle is uh, he goes away and then comes back and plays really well, and then I overdraft him by about five rounds, where and then he quickly goes away again. Perfect. So, the only thing I can... to that all off season. <laughs> what I can't. What could possibly make sense to me, Nick, and you said this, like, Gurley had a couple of drops and had a bad uh, blitz pickup and pass coverage. And the Patriots' defense this whole postseason had been basically f- constructing their pass rush through stunts. Uh, they didn't have – it wasn't people winning on one-on-ones. It was stunts and, you know, getting kind of – motion and all of that kind of stuff to kind of to throw the offensive line off and create open gaps. And that does take a little bit more of a cerebral uh, ability and pass blocking, I guess, for a running back to recognize where the, where the holes are and and where uh, rushes could come through. So like, I guess that makes some sense, but that doesn't explain why you would play CG. Like 
why Todd Gurley was just completely out of the game plan. I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be a similar question to the Malcolm Butler thing of last year, but maybe not as uh, talked about because of the fact that we saw this throughout the postseason, that this wasn't like Todd Gurley carried the Rams to the Super Bowl and then suddenly didn't play in the Super Bowl. I think that what you just said actually makes a ton of sense. I, I was looking over uh, Warren Sharp's breakdown of um, uh, styles of play that were called, and I, I don't think they targeted Gurley. It was something like they didn't target a non-receiver until the third quarter, and they just rolled uh, with 11 personnel passing, which they dominated all year, but the Pats are really good at stopping it. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think they may have just wanted to go safe and and have CJA pass protect when he wasn't carrying the ball and uh, just try to let the receivers do their thing. I, weird choice. Yeah, I mean, and we can't forget. I mean, no one had much opportunity. There's well, how many plays did the Rams run in the first right. half? I mean, uh, 25, 30 plays, maybe. I mean, that. The, but the question is, is like, does does Todd Gurley turn one of those? You know runs into I don't know I don't know it's just it is it is a question that that seemingly has come out of this and it's been it's been not only just for the Super Bowl it was the whole playoff run that Todd Gurley seemingly had this lingering injury but then it was never disclosed in injury reports and yet he still wasn't playing the bulk of the workload so we may never know but this does this rolls into question numero dos that comes to me from the Rams uh, and Clark we'll start with you on this one does Specific, I mean, you can take in specifically with the Rams, but also with just the offensive performance that the Rams put together. Does this shake your faith in Sean McVay at all? And I understand that, like, yes, that's very like quick reaction to be like, oh, one game, Sean McVay's garbage now. He's trash. What a horrible person or a horrible coach. But I guess I feel like he was supposed to be this, like, or throughout the season had been this, like, huge offensive innovator. He had two weeks to innovate, and he got shut down by zone coverage. No, I mean, I, I think the Rams got beat by the Patriots, which a lot of good teams have, you know, suffered that same fate in the Super Bowl. Uh, Todd McVay, I think, is a brilliant offensive mind, and we've seen it. And, you know, like you said, I wouldn't let this last game color our opinions of that for the whole offseason, or else there are going to be a lot of missed opportunities in next year's fantasy drafts. But... I mean, we have to remember Bill Belichick's thing is being a brilliant defensive mind, and he's been coaching for 30 years, of which Todd McVay has been alive for 34. And Bill Belichick is good. Uh, I think what people started to figure out with the Rams a little bit was uh, not buying the fake, not worrying about all of the motion going on and just playing straight up. And that kind of plays into the Patriots' defensive scheme anyway. So I, I'm not worried about the Rams moving forward. They got embarrassed in the first round of the playoffs uh, two years ago, and they made it to the Super Bowl this year. They're improving. They're still good. Uh, the only thing that really worries me about the Rams is a potential retirement from uh, Andrew Whitworth. Uh, that kind of offense and that kind of mediocre quarterback play relies on a very strong offensive line to carry the team. Quick editor's note, um, Clark had, been, had meant Sean McVay rather than his brother, Todd. Shit. 
But Todd McVay getting a lot of press time, and he's loving it. He's not the he's not the McVay brother that's talked about a lot. So he really likes the fact that he's getting spoken heavily. He's getting a lot of confusing tweets <laughs> exactly. about how people hate him for no reason. I thought that was an amalgam of Sean McVay and Todd McShay. <laughs> Jordan, what are your feelings towards Sean McVay this offseason or after this game? Um, they're still the same. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan got his ass handed to him in a Super Bowl. Well, at least the second half of a Super Bowl, and we still believe in him. We should definitely still believe in Sean McVay and what he can do. Um, over the past two years or so, the Rams have had a winning record with Sean McVay, and since that, or since before that time, they hadn't had a winning record since like 2003. Uh, you know, if you get to the Super Bowl now, you got to like the way the trajectory is going if you're going to be considered a contender year in and year out. Um, I just, I really think that the, and this might be a little bit of a spicy take, but I just didn't think the Rams were really all that great all year. Um, I thought they were a little bit like, remember the Hawks a couple of years ago when they the, were the Atlanta the, Hawks? The Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, when Mike Budenholzer was their coach and they had like four all stars. <laughs> And they were really good in the regular season, and they racked up all these wins to get the number one seed in the East. But once the playoffs actually hit, they didn't have enough like mm. left oomph, enough star power to really get them over the hump. Because once the playoffs start, you need like seven or eight guys that carry you the rest of the way, and they were too reliant on just like a long, deep bench um and their scheme and you know once you're getting into the playoffs everything's under a microscope you're being dissected for weeks at a time not you know every couple days weeks at a time and um i think that's just what happened with the rams here once they finally got to the playoffs they became much more easier to manage um but yeah i'm not worried about mcveigh in the long run same worries with uh Shared with Clark, though, if Andrew Whitworth retires, if they can't re-sign Roger Saffold, they might be in a little bit of trouble. But I trust them to try to put as much good personnel around uh, their offense as possible. I think it's it's generally speaking the same thing for me. Um, he he, he kind of just I actually just had the thought. He kind of reminds me of a a child star in that he had all this success and then got to the big show and didn't really know what to do with it. He uh, in the mic'd up series from the game, he he talks to Belichick and he specifically says it's amazing how you guys change the identity of your team on a week to week basis. And, and that's something we haven't really talked about yet. But the Pats went from a dominant man coverage team to running 80 to 90 percent of their defensive snaps um, in in zone and McVeigh. He 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 off the bat he had matchups that he didn't properly exploit with his game plan, but even at halftime, he still didn't adjust to zone. And I think he just wanted to stay conservative with the game plan that he had established. And he, he didn't want to he he got what, what what a lot of coaches in this league to their massive detriment. He got conservative and afraid to to continue innovating. And he just stayed with what worked rather than seeing a new problem on the board and trying to solve it. He kept trying to solve the old one. I have really no doubt that he's going to come back stronger from this next year. And this will be a big, because it's big that he was able, and of course he, he noticed this, but it was really big that even though he screwed up, he, when he was talking to Belichick, he, he recognized what it was 
that was his downfall. It was that he failed to scheme for Belichick's ever morphing mm. uh, defensive schemes. So uh, he, he recognized what the problem is. He just has to address it. And we've seen from what he has done in his short career that he has the ability to, to do that. So I, yeah, I, if, uh, if my Niners want to go sign him, I'd be fine with that. And having said all of that, which is true and I think well-spoken, he, they were a play away until about six minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's fair. Yeah, so it's not like they were getting crushed either. You it's know? fair. So, yeah, no, I, I think, I think if you were to, if you were to give Sean McVay a grade going into the Super Bowl, is it in terms of like, uh, in terms of head coaching prospect, I think his grade dropped for me just a tiny, tiny bit. And I understand, I understand it's a big ask to be like change you know be make huge halftime changes recognize that it's his own and completely do something new and different but he would been so touted as this like complete innovator it felt a little i was like wow well sean McVay expected more from you but not to say that he is a terrible coach i still think he's the second best coach in the nfl right now but i I I don't guess the a plus with the smiley face but not the exclamation point also exactly (laughs) perfect way of phrasing it clark well done uh, all right, let's move on to the Patriots. And the first question that came away from this game that a lot of people were talking about going into this game, that's no secret, and I'm currently wearing his jersey because of this question, uh, was the question surrounding Grog's future and as to whether or not he is going to retire and if this is actually his last game as a New England Patriot. A lot of people were certain that that was going to happen, and then the Patriots won, and now everyone's like, "Well, maybe Gronk, uh, you know, brings it back for one more year and all this jazz." Uh, I'm going to start this debate off because I feel in my bones, to my core, he is retiring. Uh, I just I think that he has been grappling with this for not just the last year, but for like the past three years. His body is a wreck. Have you guys seen? There were pictures and videos of him at the parade, obviously on the floats and being party Gronk, which is the best version of Gronk, but also getting like off the duck boats and traveling around. He needed his dad and brothers to like help him walk like he was noticed, like couldn't move after the Super Bowl reports were saying. I think his body is just like on its last legs, as it would be given the beating that he took. And then the sentimental Pete in me also feels like if I were Gronk and my body was literally on its last legs, I just I think it's beautiful that in in his final Super Bowl or what could be his final Super Bowl in a game that he had he has missed most of because of injury uh because of nagging you know bangs here and there he made the biggest play in that game that got them right to that two yard line where he made the catch up the middle across between three defenders brings it in makes that adjustment the the only him and maybe Tony Gonzalez are the only t- tight ends in the NFL who, in the history of the NFL, who can make that adjustment with the ball in the air, make that play between three defenders. And I just think that that, I think that's just a, I'm glad he had that moment. It was a beautiful moment. It brought so much warmth and joy to my heart. Uh, and if I were him and my body was just slowly decaying around me, I, I would be like, all right, look, I had my Super Bowl moment. I felt like I, 100% earned that ring and now I'm going to call it quits. So I'm, I am, I will go out and say, I am certain 100% Gronk retires this off season. I love Gronk uh, guys that size 
shouldn't be able to move like that. They certainly shouldn't be able to catch like that or run that fast. Um, I think we've been lucky to see him play. Uh, if I'm Gronk's brother, I'm kind of saying like, hey, man, let's like when you're 40, it'd be really cool if you could still come see the kids and like get off the plane yourself. Uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, he's the best tight end I've ever seen play as a pure 100% all around tight end. There've been, you know, faster dudes and there've been dudes that could jump higher, but no one's been as much of a beast at tight end as Gronk. And that's what kind of defines a few positions, you know, your fullback, your tight end, your safety, like those guys can be just beasts. And so whether or not he retires, I don't know. If I'm as if I'm in his family, I'm whispering in his ear of, you know, you're at the top of the mountain, brother. Let's let's think long term. Do you guys see the footage, like you were saying, Clark, in terms of being an all-around tight end? There's footage of him one-on-one blocking and Dominican Sue and winning. Like I just I just put that in the Slack. Like he is incredible. He's he's fucking incredible. He he is the greatest tight end in the history of the sport. Uh, and maybe will be forever because the trend of the tight end is going so much away from the all-around guy who can block, pass, protect, run block, and catch the football to these kind of basically bigger wide receivers. Uh, so I, so to me, there's nothing else that he has to prove. And so if your body's on the fritz, like call it a quits. So <laughs> what's, it, what's, what's, so, uh, what's interesting to me about this is I was listening to um, Michael Lombardi two years ago on the uh, Ringer NFL show's uh, GM Street, and he was talking about how Brady had convinced Gronk to stop his normal workout routines and go work with Alex Guerrero, and how like Guerrero, I guess, just doesn't have people lift weights. It's all resistance band stuff, and Lombardi was like, this is not – this is not Gronk anymore. He is he has no strength in his lower body. You can see it in the way he runs. Um, I hope that he yeah, I hope he does retire and I hope that he goes and, and gets away from I mean, hey, I guess Patriots aren't my team anymore. So I, I don't have any you can't say anything nice about them. You shit. can only you uh, have now joined the rest of the country and you must hate them and despise them right. and everything they stand for. So so fuck Alex Guerrero. He's <laughs> got a little workout cult going on, and um, I don't think we're talking about it enough in the public sphere. Um, yeah, I hope Gronk gets away from that idiot and uh, gets his body right. I hope he does retire. Yeah, and he is the greatest. I did see a little report before the Super Bowl that uh, the Patriots might be blaming uh, the TB12 method for Gronk's deteriorating health status. That's what I'm talking um, about. Yeah, yeah, You'd like surprised. that would that would be interesting. You know, if there's a way that he can turn it around. Um, speaking of listening to other podcasts. Um, you know, we got to collect as much content as possible for our brains. It's all about looking at different viewpoints. Um, I believe it was the Ryan Rosillo podcast that I was uh, that I was listening to yesterday, and um, they were talking about how sometimes as fans we forget that you know these football players. We like to put ourselves in their heads and think about you know what they what they might want to do and you know where they should go. Should they retire? Should they walk off into the sunset after a Super Bowl win? But we forget that these guys don't make it to the NFL and play at this Super Bowl level without being some sort of some sort of psycho for the sport of football like you have to be a little bit crazy and just insane about football to get to that level you can't just be kind of halfway in oh I can football I'll take it or leave it I can go do this other thing like 
that's the reason Kyler Murray's playing football instead of making millions and saving his body by playing baseball. He wants to play football because he fucking loves that shit. Um, so I, I don't know what, what Gronk wants to do. You know, he might love football so much. He's just like, you know what? Resort me to like a Mercedes Lewis type role, but I still want to be out on the field. I will just hell i'll just block big motherfuckers that people don't think i can take and we will keep tom brady standing upright for another three to four years when trent brown leaves in free agency gronk's just going to become the patriots left tackle just let him guzzle a bunch of monster and eat some cupcakes put on some put on some bigger mass he would be an excellent right he'd be a great left tackle he's got all the footwork already yeah just you guys just adds on like what a hundred extra pounds there you go. He's ready. That's have a Babe Ruthian career. People will forget that he was a tight end because he's going to go on to be the best left tackle that we've ever seen in football. Perfect. Gronk, we've got your career path picked out for you. Don't worry about the fact that your body's deteriorating. You're, you're all set. Left tackle, man. You don't, there's no, you don't, your body doesn't get any abuse along the offensive line. It's like the healthiest oh, of part not. of football, right? Generally. Yeah. Let's turn to our, our O-line, our trenches expert, Jordan Smith. Safer than kicker. <laughs> also, if he wants to become a podcaster, he's more than welcome here. I would volunteer to give up Clark's spot on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> oh, all right, last thing, last question that has left and is is filtrating the Patriot sphere after the Super Bowl. I have no real idea where this question came from, but it seems to be on everyone's and every hot takes uh, uh, radar. The question of Julian Edelman's Hall of Fame status, which I guess I never knew was a debate, not in the sense that I'm like, well, clearly he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer. I, but like, I guess somehow now that is a question that everyone's kind of thinking about. Uh, Nicholas, what is your thoughts on the matter? Um, well, I actually was just looking up his, uh, his stats on uh, pro football ref. Cause I, I, I haven't really great. considered he, he, They're not. And like off the top of my head, I haven't hit it yet. I don't know if he really has that many 1000 yard seasons. Like I think he has like he has one two. or two, <laughs> two. Yeah. Bless and, you, is his, is his touchdown total like his highest is like nine or something? I think he has three hundred. Uh, not three hundred. He has three hundred career touchdowns, you guys, and I don't think he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. <laughs> I think he has thirty career touchdowns or something around those lines. No, and, I mean the only reason yeah, he, he would get into the he'd get into the Hall of Fame purely because if and I think this is what everyone's kind of like trying to put their hang the 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 argument on is his. Uh, in the playoffs, only uh, Jerry Rice has more playoff stat, or you know, he's just below Jerry Rice in terms of playoff stats. But so he had forty-three fewer postseason catches than Jerry Rice going into the Super Bowl, which is still forty-three. It's preposterous. That's a lot. <laughs> but Jerry Rice also was a Hall of Fame receiver in the regular season. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I'm just surprised that this arc, this whole discussion, has suddenly become relevant that people were like oh my god is julian edelman a hall of famer now like no the hall you don't get into the hall of fame just with postseason stats it's how i'm keeping eli out (laughs) yeah when you said this is the thing on everyone's mind i knew immediately that i was not gonna care about whatever you said next (laughs) and boy was i right boy did i nail it 
is there nothing else to talk about? Is this really what people are talking about? This Julian is people Edelman. are all over this shit. People are this the the two Julian Edelman stories are is Julian Edelman the Hall of Famer, which to me is I don't know how that got into question, but my personal favorite is everyone freaking out at the fact non-Patriots fans freaking out over the fact that Julian Edelman won Super Bowl MVP despite being suspended for PEDs to start this season. <gasps> I mean, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I mean, come cheaters. on. We all played baseball. Kids. Cheaters. Kids. People hate cheaters. People do. <laughs> People Someone do, but you, but somehow, somehow the Patriots are the only ones that people fucking hate doing it. Because uh, someone, I mean, I, Nick, I know you're not a Seahawks fan anymore, but my, must my remind you, the Legion of Boom, half of them got suspended multiple times for PED usage, and no one batted an eye. Well, they actually they got off because of tainted supplements, because um, the Trey guy spilled urine all over the place. Nick, but, you're a 49ers um, fan now. You got to rip them down. Do well, no, but uh, Pete Carroll gets gets fined every year for hosting too many contact practices in the offseason. Like every year, we lose cheats. money and draft picks. It's facilitated. They tell players when they're testing. They get tested twice a year, mostly, except for Eric Reed. You get tested every six months, and you know the date in advance. So you can cycle and cheat properly it's a level playing field but i I do want to put this i had someone suggest to me the other day that tom brady should have been banned from the nfl for deflate gate and it blew my fucking mind if this was after they played the chiefs who has tyreek hill running around he choked and beat a pregnant woman but we want to suspend we or we want to ban tom brady that's where the morality team He's he's a he's a dirty fucking cheater Let's not let's not uh, bury the lead here. Jordan, do you have thoughts on Julian Edelman's Hall of Fame status? I know you're vastly uh, um, invested in this discussion. Um, just doing a little research here. I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, that's going to be a no from me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Julian Edelman is not a Hall of Famer. I saw um, who was it? I believe it was Nick Wright via Twitter. Um, he did like a, a hidden player profile comparison with Julian Edelman and um, they had virtually the same stats. Actually, the hidden player had a little bit better stats. Um, and that person was Dion Branch. So like fellow Patriots wide receiver <clears throat> who is not in the Hall of Fame and nobody's out here clamoring for Dion Branch to be in the Hall of Fame. Some noticeable wide receivers who are still waiting to get their call to the Hall. Um, Andre Risen, Mark Clayton, Sterling Sharp, Isaac Bruce, Calvin Johnson, more recent, but still, Heinz Ward, Reggie Wayne, and Torrey Holt. There's a backlog at wide receiver for the Hall of Fame induction. Uh, we've just got like Randy Moss and T.O. and those great guys in there, but there are plenty of other just legends. I mean, Heinz Ward is a Super Bowl MVP too, but he's not. Deion Branch is a Super Bowl fame, MVP too, and no one's no one made the discussion that he suddenly needs to be in the Hall. Yeah, I mean, he had a great Super Bowl. His playoff stats are really good, but also he has been in the playoffs every year since he's been on the Patriots. So by virtue of just playing in those games, that's kind of helpful. So I'm sorry. Julian Edelman was great yesterday. Like he was phenomenal. He's the only person that showed up to play on offense from either team. So 
you got to give credit where it's due, but Hall of Fame is a big credit for one really good game. <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was amazed by the fact that this was like now a discussion point that people were like, well, I think he's earned it. It's like, what? No, God. I also just hate how uh, flippant people are with Hall of Fame votes. It's like, this is supposed to be the upper echelon, the best players at their respective position at that time. Julian Edelman is not the best receiver at any point in his well, career. He wasn't even top 10. It's just this extension of the argument that we just, we have to label somebody the greatest of all time or not type right. of type of argument. There's just this weird binary where we have to categorize and rate these players on levels and tiers of greatness. And we just want to thrust anybody up as high as possible at all times. Here's the thing though. We don't have to do that. Ah, loophole. Guys. Yeah, guys, you could just not twist. Yeah, that that's big. That, that's that's some big shit right there. Um. <laughs> all right, we're done. 2018 is over. It's dead. Leave it in the ground. Hey, man, longest punt in the Super Bowl. We still got like 15 minutes to squeeze oh, God, this bad that boy. That was amazing. That was amazing. Let me tell you quickly about my horrible prop bets that I made. And then 2018 is dead, and it's left in the ground. Oh, I have a prop bet story too. James Devlin, plus 1,200 to score a touchdown. Dear God, when they got it at the two-yard line, I was like, oh, Lordy, if they gave it to James Devlin, this is going to be the greatest moment of my life. Uh, That did not pay out. And then also, Johnny Hacker to kick a touchback was plus 300. And so I was like, oh, definitely putting money on that because I get to root for it throughout the entire time. His first punt, he kicks it, not a touchback, uh, Julian Edelman catches it, and I was like, oh, yeah, just won $300. And one of my friends is like, wait, what? It was plus 300 that Johnny Hacker would not would kick, would kick not kick a touchback? And I was like, oh, no, no, I totally misremembered that. So uh, needless to say, lost both my prop bets. So I had a, uh, a prop bet ticket that was about six bets long. Um, <laughs> I was, Good, as I was, it should be. I was using mybookie.ag. So for anybody that knows my bookie, there's like a minimum cash deposit that you have to do of, uh, I think it's $45 when you're just depositing funds. Um, so I already have like a little bit of funds in there and I'm placing these dollar amounts, spreading them out amongst these, uh, these bets. But when I hit submit for the, for the prop ticket, I didn't have enough funds to cover the last prop bet. The last prop bet was, will the broadcast show Wade Phillips in a cowboy hat? Yes, I was going to wager on that. But yeah, I, that's the, I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah. It's the whole but point that, of prop bets. That was going to be like a fun $5 bet that I was going to place on there and win like five fifty back or something like that. But I didn't want to put in a whole $45 just to make that one <laughs> prop bet. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll just go with these five uh, bets and that'll be good for me find out at the end of the game though i didn't submit the ticket properly oh, no. but i saved all my money because i would have lost every single prop bet so <laughs> jokes on them there was a real Suck winner it, on bookie. super bowl sunday and it was me <laughs> <laughs> that wade phillips bet really paid off it really yeah, did really paid in a off. big way one of my other bets was uh, betting that they would show Aaron Donald in his shirtless picture. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a shoe in I thought so, too. There's a picture that circulated the internet that I posted, uh, retweeted, was him versus Trent Brown. And Trent Brown just makes him look like a toy. 
It's amazing oh, how dude. big Trent Brown is. Unreal. It's incredible. Okay, 2018's over. We're done. In the ground. It's been a long decade, but we made it. We made it. We've survived. We're now on to 2019. We're starting with the offseason. I can't even speak high because I don't have a voice. We're going to go through. We each maybe have one or two things that we'd love to see happen this offseason. Narrative, storylines, moves, trades, the whole nine yards. Clark, let's start with you. What would you love to see happen? So mine's pretty simple, and we alluded to this earlier with Nick's uh, 49ers newfound fandom. We'll be on the bandwagon together. I want the Niners to have just a relatively healthy season. They've been kind of snake bit this past couple of years, and I like a lot of the folks on that team. I think it's exciting, and I think football is good when the 49ers are good and they've had a real tough go. So I just want to see Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan play with a full deck for a full season and see what happens. Yeah, they got a, a lot of nice pieces there, not only just from a pure uh, football standpoint, but since this is a fantasy football podcast, fantasy-wise, they got a lot of nice guys there. Uh, like, yeah, we do. <laughs> we. <laughs> Listen, yes. to that. Listen to that Niners fan pumping through his veins. Um, not just not just Matt Breida and Jimmy G and Greg, George Kittle and uh, who else they got wide receiver? Marquise Goodwin and Austin Pettis. But everyone forgets. Done. Jared McKinnon, Jared McKinnon in and Kyle Shanahan's offense could uh, could be doing could put up some pretty good numbers. So I'm with you, Clark. I also just like when uh, when football is an even playing field, and it's just like that injuries shouldn't impact games. It's just who's got the better team. You're forgetting about Mike McGlinchey, their awesome tackle. Oh yeah, they drafted. They do. You do get. Do you play in a league where you get uh, fancy points for pancake blocks? No, but I'm gonna start one. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan this is Jordan's like fantasy is to like watch hours and hours and hours of tape just to count how many pancake blocks his offensive linemen get it's gonna be pancake blocks and you get a point every time the the corner stays within a yard of the wide receiver (laughs) you call it the stirrup league Oh, good. I like that one, Clark. Nicholas, what's uh, what, what, uh, what would you love to see happen this offseason? Two-parter. Oh my but god! Of course, my, my my previous fandom. So, if I were a Seahawks fan, the easy one is Pete Carroll and all of his coaching staff, and probably John Schneider, um, are gone. But that won't happen. So, I would rather see uh, us. I mean, the Seahawks. Um, move on from Russell Wilson for Russell Wilson's sake. Uh, and I talked about this previously. We've, we've tweeted about it recently. Um, Russell Wilson and Drew Brees, their contracts are up at the same time. That's at the end of this season. So rather than something that I want to see play out in 2019, at the end of 2019, I want to see Russell Wilson become a New Orleans Saint, uh, throw for 5,000 yards for 10 years in a row and show everyone what, uh, Honestly, what could be a Hall of Fame quarterback can do in an intelligent offense? Damn. I don't know. I don't know if they've uh, behaved well enough for that in recent weeks. Mm. Jordan doesn't want the Saints fans to have the satisfaction <laughs> of getting of getting a good quarterback after their uh, petty little shit show that they throw. Just not enough dignity. I don't know. Let's be honest. That is <clears throat> that's not even just like an off season. Oh, I'd like this to happen. That is a fiery take that you would like. But it also fits. It's in keeping with your 49ers fandom that you want to see the Seahawks basically dismantled. 
that. Yeah, that. I would love to see Russell Wilson play in a competent offense wherever. <laughs> it would be care. so fun. It would be yeah. a lot of fun. In a dome. In a dome? Yeah. In a competent offense? I mean, what more can you ask for? If Russell Wilson played in the Chiefs offense, would he be as oh good as Patrick God. Mahomes? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Maybe. what about a one for one? Let's have just uh, just swap swap quarterbacks. We all know Patrick Mahomes is just a one year fluke. Sell high on him because he's garbage, <laughs> and get Russell Wilson. That's Who says no, Andy? Pete Rogers on Twitter. Everybody, fire! <laughs> Shooting that fire from my fists. Uh, Jordan, what do you want to see happen this offseason? What would you love to see? Um, so I, I'm a part of a dynasty league that for for one of our rookie development spots, we draft somebody who's actually still in college. Um, it's actually a lot of fun because this last year I drafted Will Greer. So I ended up watching quite a bit of college football. Um, it really helps pull you in, and I watched a lot of West Virginia Mountaineers, so I ended up uh, turning into a, a Mountaineer fan for a couple of games this year. Tavon but we Austin. have – what's that? Tavon Austin. Oh, yeah, Tavon Austin, one of the, the best utility guys of all time. <laughs> um, but actually, we have our um, our college football guy draft coming up this Saturday. Um, so if you're not a part of a dynasty league, you should because then you get year-round fantasy football fun right after the Super Bowl starts. You just roll right into it. But um, because of that, I'm starting to look at scouting reports and um, looking at who I can start targeting in the upcoming rookie drafts of these dynasty leagues. And by all accounts and all reports and everything I've looked at, yes, it's true. This is a very deep defensive draft, um, especially towards the top in the first round, second round. But I want to start driving the offensive draft uh, bandwagon because I think there's still a lot of talent that's down the draft board. Um, I think because there's only a couple good to decent um, quarterback prospects that that's kind of weighing down the offensive side. So people aren't really paying that close attention to um, a lot of potential real studs. Um, I already mentioned Noah Fant at the top of the podcast, but there's still AJ Brown, um, Nikhil Harry, who is a freak. Um, there's Hollywood Brown, uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside. Uh, Bryce Love is going to be a running back to keep an eye on. Um, he was a Heisman front runner until he got injured this year. He's running back out of Stanford. And I think you look at a lot of mock drafts, deep down rounds, and you don't see Bryce love anywhere. He's fallen out of like the top seven for running back. So I think he's just going to fall to a really, really lucky team. And people are going to be wondering where this fourth round running back came from and be like, Hey, he would, he should be number one, possibly in the first round. You just want to have an offensive draft. I I just want to steer the conversation towards uh, a more fun offensive draft than people are getting credit or giving it credit for. I, I haven't started my do. I haven't started my draft research yet, so I'll just start with it right now. Is there a tall, dreadlocked wide receiver coming out of Clemson this year? <laughs> <laughs> Does he win jump balls? Um, all the talk out of Clemson has been there. Uh, four defensive linemen that are going to be entering the draft. <laughs> All right. 
Off to a bad start. Clark's out. He's he's done with his draft. Yeah, I feel like Bryce Love could uh could could replicate uh Nick Chubb from this year's draft in terms of a, a running back prospect who is well beyond his potential slash maybe likely a draft value because of injuries. Yeah, that's an apt comparison. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right. The thing that I would love to have happen this offseason, and I need it. I need this in my bones. I need some uh, NBA-level drama to go down. We've been teased with it, with Antonio Brown kind of throwing his little thing, and we know Le'Veon Bell is going to be looking for a new team, but the NBA currently is just pure and unadulterated, like, it's a perfect reality show of chaos. You have uh, Anthony Davis requesting a trade, and then the Pelicans now holding the Lakers hostage for basically every draft pick that they could ever have afforded. You have Kristaps Porzingis getting traded from the discombobulated Knicks for basically nothing in order to go to the Mavericks. Kyrie Irving is now being asked all these hypothetical questions about where he wants to play, and he's giving cryptic answers. This is the kind of shit that needs to happen in the NFL. I need Antonio Brown to give me more cryptic responses. I need him to start liking other teams' tweets and Instagram posts, and when players start good putting googly eyes on comments, have him be like, yeah, I'd love to play with you too. I need more George Kittle interactions with any possible free agent. I need players requesting to get traded. I need trades to happen and to not happen. I need the Eagles to decide that Nick Foles is actually the future of their franchise, and Carson Wentz is sold to the highest bidder. I need all kinds of crazy shit to happen this NFL offseason so that I can be entertained for uh, its entirety. I wish the NFL was that fun. I wish so too, but it's not going to be. It's not going to happen. It's partially because the owners are not a fun group of people. And I don't think NFL fans are as fun as NBA fans. Like they, they would not be able to handle it. If one of their players decided to request a trade, we've already seen this. Antonio Brown, every Steelers fan just suddenly burst into a fucking ball of flames. Cause Antonio Brown was like, maybe I don't want to play here anymore. Yeah, suddenly it's the player versus the tribe and not the player seeking out the best situation and fit for himself and his family. It's just all of a sudden this this player is just the evilest person in the world. It is interesting how that dynamic is very different because in the NBA, it's very much like, hey, players, you do you. Fans understand that. Fans respect that. NFL, it's like, how dare you say something bad about my team in which the owner is a racist old white man, but God damn it, I will stand by him. Yeah, I mean, people want to leave the Knicks and they're like, why did the Knicks fucking suck so much? James Dolan, God damn you. Right, right. Dude, that was awesome. You were were my free agency spirit animal. Oh, thank you. Which one of us is awesome? (laughs) Pete, you just won well, the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't you have enough? Give it Pete a rest. won I the Super Jordan. Bowl. I won yeah. the Super Bowl. I need, I need, I need more heat. I need more praise. I need more winning. <laughs> this is what happens when you grow up winning Super Bowls. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheap shot in Slack. The only person who roots for a team who's never won a Super Bowl. You gotta kick me while I'm. You know, oh, that's relatively that uninterested in what's going on. <laughs> Clark, it's just because your team hasn't had as long of a history. My Super Bowl was seeing Bum Phillips walk into the uh, 
walk into the game this year. So, son of bum. Ah, oh, pretty I, epic. Son of bum. Phil <sighs> Wade Phillips is the champion of the people. Yeah, and that, I know that we're we're done with 2018, but how about that Rams defense finally playing like we thought it would all year? And now Jesus they're all Christ. free agents, so that's oh, fun. Well, yeah. But no, totally. To the Rams defense was great. Both defenses were great. The fact that no defensive player had any votes for MV- Super Bowl MVP is a goddamn travesty. I thought both defenses sucked ass. Can you imagine <laughs> how many people would have lost their minds? <laughs> oh, Jordan. Uh, if a defensive player had won MVP, people would have lost their yeah, minds. The people lo- are already losing their minds because PED user team. Julian Edelman won MVP. Cheat to win, you guys. It's a message to the kids. <laughs> I think the only one who had a legitimate case was Stefan Gilmore because the, well, the almost two takeaways, um, he had the interception and he was the one that punched that fumble that went out of bounds. Yeah, three pass breakups, five tackles. I think Dante Hightower could have also done it if he had made that interception. He had two sacks and like seven tackles or something like that. And if he had made that pick, I think he could have also made a case for it. My second thing that I want to see this offseason completely selfishly as a Texas fan is draft anyone who can run fast on defense. That would be a sea change for Mm -hmm. the team. And I know Mm -hmm. it sounds risky, but it might pay off. Hey, risk it for the biscuit. It rhymes because it's true. Yeah. Does anyone else have any last second things you'd love to see this offseason? I would love for the Giants to randomly find and draft a stud quarterback that can come in and play right away to help that offense out. I think we can all get behind that. And I, I think they'd be a playoff contender instantly if they had a decent quarterback right away. I miss that. Who, who, which team? Giants. Oh, God. Well. <laughs> I, what podcast I, were we talking about where Nick was just enraged that we dare – Mention the Giants as a possible <laughs> playoff team with a halfway decent quarterback. It it's the it's the the coaching issue. Like you can you can get great players and then just burn the 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 season to the ground if you have some moron calling the fucking plays. Pat Shermer made Case Keenum an MVP candidate. Yeah, Case Keenum is also better than Eli Manning. <laughs> it's true. At well, this point, you know, you hear people complain about Case Keenum's not in fame. Am I right? All right, I'm good. <laughs> I uh, I don't like to see teams suffer a long time and be bad for for a really long time unless you play in New York, and then I'm fine with it. Well, what was it like nine and seven for the Eagles won the division, or for the Cowboys? Something like that. It wasn't like somebody ran away with the division going thirteen and three or twelve and four. It's a very winnable division. Yeah, it's true. And all you need is someone who can get. They were ten and OBJ. six. Ten and six, yeah. And the Eagles somehow somehow we had two NFC teams in the playoffs. God, somehow the Eagles. Because Fox was involved. They had to make sure that we kept seeing the fucking Cowboys and Eagles every Sunday. It's hey, crazy. we're leaving the Philly special in twenty eighteen. Yeah, we're done. Nobody mentioned it anymore. <laughs> dead, dead in the water. All right. Well, there you go. There's uh the lingering questions from Super Bowl fifty three, and then we took twenty eighteen, buried it in the ground. Talked about 2019 offseason. Then we did a little undigging and, and resurfaced 2018 for a hot sack. But now it's back in the ground. Putting the dirt back on it. Murder. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> Dark. Uh, we'll be back at you guys next week to talk all kinds of NFL news and see what's going on. Hopefully it's going to be great, wonderful chaos. 
but uh, in all likelihood it won't be. Make sure to follow us and subscribe on iTunes and on Stitcher. Leave us a review, uh, a, a nice review, hopefully. We'd be much appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Uh, and Ginger Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. Feels so good to be able to do the whole group we're all here back together finally and until next week